We turn our attention to the last several verses of Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. In this third chapter, Habakkuk has just been reflecting on the, the wrath of God that would be coming against uh, the Babylonians, uh, even as they would be used by him to discipline, to punish Israel. And this is, these are the final words as Habakkuk has learned, as he's taking these things in, and he's learning now to live uh, by faith. Um, I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Though the fig tree um, should not blossom, uh, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive uh, fail, And the fields yield no food. The flock flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deers. He makes me tread uh, on my high places. Uh, This is the Word of God. Habakkuk saw the troubles ahead. But you and I have our own troubles uh, in this life as well. We can relate personally in some small way perhaps for what uh, Habakkuk is going through. You might be in a tough spot right now. Uh, People certainly can disappoint us. Uh, Life is hard. And how do we cope when the dreams that we've had collapse? How do we deal with a God who is not doing, not behaving uh, as we think he should? We do remember that he disciplines his children And it is painful for a time. But there is purpose. He is after our holiness, after our hearts to be more and more sold out to Him. That is the goal. And really the goal of the Christian life is summarized in uh, in this chapter. Chapter 2, verse 4. The righteous shall live by his faith. The, The upright one shall live by his steadfast confidence in God and His work. And so the great lesson that we've been going over in these, in these weeks is to live by what you hear. Live by what you hear in God's Word, not by what you see around you. To live in accordance with what you believe God's Word to say, not 
simply on the basis of things as you behold them around you. And that really is the Christian life. And so my my goal again uh, this morning is that each of us, as we wrestle with these truths, really is to have the Holy Spirit wrestle within us to live with steadfast trust so you can sing this song and mean every word of it. To live with steadfast trust, especially in your tough times. I want to look at this passage this morning in three major sections. And first of all, it is as verse 16 calls us, following the example of Habakkuk, wait quietly in your trouble. Wait quietly in your trouble. By this time in this little book, Habakkuk has finally learned to live by faith. In the midst of his years, he would say in the beginning of chapter 2, in the midst of the years, in the midst of the struggling time in which I find myself with the promise, with both the sinfulness of my own people and the threat of the Babylonians, that is the difficult time in which I have to live. And he's finally here able to live by faith in that in in the promises and the presence of the Lord during those really rough years. You remember his first complaint, How long, O Lord? And that is really a veiled threat, a a veiled challenge to the Lord. I have more interest in justice than you do. How long are you going to allow this to happen and really offend my sensibilities? And God answers, Well, I'm going to do something that if you'd heard about it, you you wouldn't even then believe it. Sending the Babylonians. And again, um, Habakkuk um, questions God. He says, but I thought you were an everlasting God whose promises were final and forever. And I thought you were a holy God. How could you use them to punish us? And I thought you were both sovereign and good. How could you treat us like fish getting caught and, and like bugs that are squished? And by this time, in, the, in, the, in this letter, he has talked himself out and he has learned the righteous shall live by faith. Remember, again in chapter 4, he is seeing more now. He is seeing more. He is seeing the big picture. He's not just seeing, he's not interpreting God simply by the narrow slice of his life at that moment, but he's seeing God's picture over a period of time. And he is not only seeing more, he is saying less. He has stopped his arguing, stopped his complaining, stopped charging God with apathy or disinterest. And he's beginning to worship. But this verse 16 um, starts with just his being overwhelmed by what's going on around him. He is, you know, kids, I, I, I remember this when I was a little guy. I suspect some of you have dealt with this as well. Sometimes when you've been misbehaving and mom maybe can't or, um, discipline you with quite the authority or the strength that she would like, both my mom and my wife, I think, sometimes were in that position. But I, I remember hearing as a little kid, um, wait till your father gets home. Have you, have you ever heard that? Or have you ever said that? Or have you as the dad been the one coming in and having to deal with that? For the kid, it's the anticipation that's as bad as the discipline, isn't it? It's the hours of waiting 
wondering if mom's going to forget. All of that. You just, agony. And so it is here uh, for Habakkuk, there is an agony as he is anticipating the discipline that is coming. His, his body is trembling, and that really is his belly. But it's not just butterflies. His, his whole body is convulsing. Um, his, his lips are quivering. One translation says buzzing. It's like, I can't stand it. And there's rottenness in his bones. His bones are, 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 are as fragile as if he's had some, some uh, um, wasting disease. His legs are, are shaking. Um, he, the vicious enemy is going to be here at any moment. A powerful enemy will storm through and it will be a shock and awe experience and he knew it. Sometimes our lives feel like that. It is painful when God knocks the props out from under us. But we do remember there's a purpose. And the purpose is always, whatever you are going through right now, the purpose is to be able to see Jesus more clearly. And that your heart would hold him uh, as, as a more valuable friend and Savior and Lord. That you would see God with greater clarity as those things are, are knocked out from beneath you. It's interesting too, though. Sometimes we can look at ourselves and we can, we can go through an experience like this and we can truly be fearful and we can think that, well, that fear, that fear is just inappropriate. But, but remember... Uh, Jesus himself was not ashamed to be afraid in, in Gethsemane. He was overwhelmed. He was treble, troubled. He was sweating great drops of, of blood as he was saying to the Lord, let this cup pass from me. It is so great and it is so awful, but not my will be done. Yours be done. And so here, um, Habakkuk is waiting Quietly, humbly, for devastation to come to Jerusalem. Jerusalem would become a burning shell. People would be carted off to another land. It was awful. It was, it was devastating to him. But, but look at that. Uh, yet, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble and, and, uh, and, and it, it to come upon the people who invade us, wait for the day of trouble to come upon the Babylonians. Do you hear this? I can, I can handle suffering if, God, I know that you are in control. The suffering that I'm going through, the suffering that Jerusalem was facing was not the end of the story. Babylon would itself go down in, in, in just a few years' time. And so in whatever you're going through right now, listen to this. The evil you experience is never the last word. The evil you're going through is never the last word. God will finally make all things right. Those who live by faith will be rescued. Those who resist God will quiver in fear at the return of Jesus. 
So the great question for each one of us today is, are you on God's side? Are you on God's side? Are you sure that He is on your side in the great day of the return of Christ? What can we learn from from the behavior of uh, Habakkuk in these verses? I, I think one of them is, dear friends, voice your complaints to God. Voice your complaints to God, just like Habakkuk did, just like the psalmist teaches us time and time again. And God even gives words because we are sometimes reluctant to do that. But but he says, no, this is how you do it, Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? A legitimate prayer. How long will I need to go through this circumstance of this painful time? Forever? If you feel that way, say it to God. Your soul might be full of troubles. Pour out your heart to God. Psalm 68. List your problems and your concerns to God directly. So often we, we try to suppress these attitudes or we just, we just leak with complaining all over and we forget or neglect to speak with God about it. And as we speak to God in faith, the Holy Spirit does work that faith in us and eventually He will give that quiet and patient um, attitude that we're seeking for. And so we wait quietly in our trouble. But we also rejoice wholeheartedly through or despite our trouble, despite our trouble. I hope you're learning to sing this song, not just on Sunday, but during the week. That, that when your life uh, is, is, is vacant of the blessings that you want, no fig trees, they're not budding, no grapes in the vines whatsoever, you are able to rejoice in God, our Savior. What we're learning to do, people, what we want to learn to do under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit is to sing in our disaster. Sing in our disaster. Now, in this, in this passage, in, in verse 17, uh, Habakkuk is really dividing up things. He's dividing up things according to luxury and necessities. In the opening phrases, there are figs and fruit and olives. Those are the choicest of the produce of the, of, of the, of the vegetation there. They are the luxuries. They are the party foods. Uh, but then there are also the, for the fruit or the, or the grain from the fields and the flocks, whether it is dairy, whether it is meat. Those are the necessities, the daily staples. But, but Habakkuk is saying both of them, both of them are, are, are drying up. Both of them have been swept away by the Babylonians. Think about that. Suppose there is no bread in your home. There is no cereal. There is no bacon. There is no milk. Suppose there is no butter. You open your closet and suppose there is no cloth. There is no material. There is no leather. There is no wine. There is no olives. Suppose you lose it all. You won't be happy. That is not a great day, but you can be joyful. 
Suppose you lose your health. Suppose you lose your, your wealth, your home, your comfort. It's in those moments that you find out what you, how you really and truly value Jesus above all things. It's when you lose those things that really exposes what you think about the Lord, what you think about Jesus. I will be joyful. I will rejoice. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Listen, Jesus, Jesus has worked out your salvation and my salvation uh, so that we can never lose a bit of it. In Romans 8, we remember uh, these words that who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake we are killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. What Jesus has accomplished for you through the cross cannot be taken from you. Cancer can't take it away from you. A falling stock market can't take it away from you. The corruption of political or economic systems cannot take it away from you. Thank God that is your reason for joy. You are living by faith rather than by what you see. You can rejoice in your trouble. You can rejoice in your trouble because you know God, that He is yours and you are His. You rejoice in trouble because salvation is coming. It is here in, in our hearts through the work of the Spirit. It has started, but salvation is, there's more to come. And, and, and you can see, you can, you can visualize heaven descending and being conjoined with this earth and, and a new dwelling place for God's people awaiting you. you the most gorgeous, elegant, and, and majestic royal wedding is yet to come as we will be dressed as the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will see Him as He is. All of that is before us. And then a, an eternity of perfection. You can wait for that when that's your vision. You have what you need now and you'll have everything you want later. You can truly say that your cup runs over with God's steadfast love and mercy. And He satisfies you with Himself. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Remember, those of you who are here on Easter, I, I, I mentioned a, 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 a part of, of the city of Nairobi, a Kiberian area there, a, a dirt poor section of that city in Kenya that was grinding poverty and mud and sticks just squeezed together to make a dwelling place. Just, just disease and all kinds of corruption. But, but there's also a church there. A, a, a little church building. It was holding 70 people the day that this missionary went in and observed what God was up to. And he could not help but see the joy on the faces of those people, the tears streaming down because they, were, they knew God their Savior. They could deal with whatever life gave them 
because they knew God and they knew where they were going. Hearts full of joy and adoration and praise. A vivid apprehension of what our future is. More vivid and powerful than than the reality of life in which we live. Have you pray the Spirit would grant that to us. They had nothing that this earth uh, would count valuable, and yet in Christ they had everything. That's our, that's our place too. Well, verse 19 goes on to say, um, not only do we rejoice wholeheartedly despite your, our trouble, but we serve energetically through our trouble. There's a picture about goats in, these, in this verse. Interesting. You drive around uh, South, uh, South Jersey, you drive around Salem County, and what you will oftentimes see is a goat perched on top of one of those large um, cable spools that's maybe on its side. You, you've seen those. Goats have to climb. Bo- goats have to elevate. Goats have to get up here. And, and so it is that that Habakkuk is describing uh, the, his own life experience, that he too will be as nimble as a goat. He too will find high and hard places to get to, but he will be nimble and quick in getting to them. Christians too have to elevate. And the Spirit works. And notice here, it is not a matter of command. You better jump higher. You better have nimble feet. You better show God what you've got in you or he'll he'll not be pleased with you. It's not what it says. It is the Spirit's work. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes me to run like a deer. He makes me to tread on high places. The Spirit infuses the presence and power of God in us So we can jump with agility even in the difficult places of our lives. God is good. God does good. We're all called according to His purpose if our faith and trust is in Him and He will enable us to navigate those high and difficult places uh, by His Spirit. Certainly, Habakkuk had in mind the words of David from Psalm 18 that David would be able, David himself using many of these same words, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He makes me tread on high places. And then David would go on to say, he has given me, he has equipped my hands for war to fulfill the calling that God had given him as the king to establish peace in, in Israel. And then this phrase, your gentleness, God. Your gentleness, made me great. God's tenderness with you. Giving you what you don't now have through the ministry of the Holy Spirit so you can climb higher and not coast. Um, Many, many, many years ago, um, when I was in a painting company in, in Georgia, we were just getting ready to register with the state. I forget what it's all called. But, but uh, the state official called the, the leader of our, of our team uh, at that time. And, and in the process, he asked, what is, what, what is the name of your painting company? Well, we hadn't thought about that. So this guy's on the phone. He's just gone. We were, we were in, seminar, in seminary at the time. Must have been college. 
we were in college at the time, and uh, he had just had a Greek class, and one of his vocabulary words was ergon, work, and oftentimes divinely empowered work. And he's named the company as ergon. And, and that's what it still is today, at least in our memories. The reason I point that out, um, I, I want you to flip over to Colossians uh, chapter 1 for just a minute, or, or just hear these words. In Colossians chapter 1, the word energy is used, the word work is used in ways that are, will make you like a deer and will make you to be able to jump up into high and difficult places, doing things that you did not think were possible because God is working in you. Uh, this is what Paul said. He struggles. And even that word struggles is an interesting one. Agonizomai. It's work. I struggle with all his energy, energia, energia, that he powerfully works energion in me. I work with God's energy that he powerfully energizes me with. That's what it means. Habakkuk is truly alive. Paul is alive with, with spiritual life. And he lives by faith. You can live by faith and have the vitality of a deer as you traverse your high and hard places and not be just stuck in the roadway like a deer, caught in the headlights, not knowing what to do, not being able to move. God does this so you can overcome in your trouble. By faith, we quiet our souls before God so we stop complaining and whining. By faith, we rejoice in the Lord, in God our Savior. And by faith, the Spirit makes you alive, not just existing, but alive so that you can climb places, heights that you think would be impossible. And you can step more nimbly than you thought you ever could. So I want to conclude this morning and this series on Habakkuk and just ask you to consider have you allowed your difficulties in life to shape your view and your, your, your view of God? Have you allowed your troubles to define what God is like? Distant, uninvolved, apathetic, unkind. Live by faith in what you hear, not just what you see. Will you practice Rejoicing in God, your Savior, throughout your trouble. To sing praises to God. It, it, it's, it, and sometimes you just have to decide to do it. We have an old pump. We had an old pump up in Maine that, that you, had to, you had to use about four gallons of water. Pour it down there while you're pumping and priming and priming and priming. Finally, the water would come. And sometimes that's how we have to start our praises. Because I don't feel it. But I know it. I want my heart to match what I know. And then finally, I want you to think about 
an area of your life where you have simply been avoiding difficult things, or a difficult thing, just choosing to walk around it. Because it's hard. I want you to think. I want you to think of of God uh, infusing you with the Holy Spirit to make you as nimble as a deer, as agile as a deer, even when climbing high places, difficult things. The Spirit is with you. The Spirit is in you. And God will help. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, you, you are so overwhelmingly good. And at times, our vision is pretty good. And we see you that way. And at other times, our vision is really bad. And we miss you entirely. I want to thank you for your steadfast love. I want to thank you, Lord. We thank you um, for um, the ministry of the Spirit in us to show us daily more of Christ. We pray that you would enable us to live as your people. Joyfully. Patiently. Energetically. We ask independence upon your spirit and the glorious work of Christ. Amen.